Welcome to Hartford's Literary Podcast. I'm Emma Smith. I teach English at Hartford and I'm fellow librarian. And that in some ways gives me the the great privilege of connecting with Hartford writers in all different uh, genres. And I'm so excited today that we're going to be talking to Anya Glazer, illustrator and author of children's books. And we're going to be talking about uh, her most recent book, Thesaurus Has a Secret. It's a really charming uh, book about a wordy dinosaur, um, uh, if you can think of anything that's more uh, designed to appeal to young readers, uh, we'd love to hear about it. But this is a fantastic book. uh, And we're going to be chatting with Anya about how she went from Hartford uh, to this and what's coming next. So Anya, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Tell us about you and Hartford. You read history in French, didn't you? Yeah, so I, I read history and French at Hartford, and I uh, I started in 2009. And then I, because I was studying French, I had a year abroad in Paris, which was sort of where I started getting back into children's books or thinking about that as a possible uh, avenue to pursue. And then after um, after I graduated, I did a master's in children's book illustration, and then it sort of went on from there. Fantastic! And just to stick it with Hartford for a minute, what what are your memories of of college now, looking back? Um, but I guess for most people, they're they're, they're a little bit mixed. But what, how about for you? Um, I think for me, largely positive. I would say I think the main thing that I think about when I think back to my time at Hartford was was the people there and the the friends that I made and I just think of it as sort of a very warm friendly open welcoming college and a lot of the the people there are still very good friends and I think it was a lot of hard work and a lot of stress um, doing that work but I think looking back on it now I've probably with a bit of hindsight have um have sort of forgotten about quite how stressful some of the late night essay writing and revision sessions were um, and uh, and just think about sort of a great three years sort of in Oxford um, going to uh, lectures and tutorials and lots of time spent in cafes and coffee shops working and libraries also. <laughs> yeah, what, what, where were your haunts, Anya? What, what, what was your coffee shop haunt? Uh, my, I think my main coffee shop haunt was actually it was the Cafe Nero in Blackwell's on on Broad Street because it was um it it just had a very nice it had the right kind of energy to be able to actually do a bit of work with sort of some buzzing background noise um and then sort of have a look at the at the books afterwards and also it was just sort of a few minutes away from Hartford so that was sort of my my main place and then yeah I, I remember when that cafe first opened and it seemed so glamorous so American I suppose to have a coffee shop in a bookshop which I had never I'd never encountered before um yeah it was a, a, an amazing landmark in in, in Oxford history I think <laughs> yeah yeah and have you been back are you based now in London I'm based in London now, yes, although I, I have been back to Oxford a few times and actually having not been back in several years, I, I was back there just visiting some friends um, about a month ago and it was really lovely to to go back and to sort of 
visit some old haunts and especially after so long of not kind of being able to travel at all to um it was a very nice place to to meet up with people again and to go back to some old favorite Hartford spots that's brilliant you'll have seen our marquee which is over front quad uh, a sort of covid safe space i think we all thought when it arrived in well god knows when now when when did when did all this start well whenever when it arrived i think i think we thought you know it'll be here for a few months uh, yeah. and we're, we're about to just just turning into the new academic year and it's 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 still there perhaps it will perhaps we'll put some stone cladding around it and it'll be there forever <laughs> Um, so you just said then that you you um, you obviously had a, a sort of long term interest in in children's uh, in in writing or, or in illustrating children's books. Maybe we could start with what were your what were your influences? What what are the children's books which um, which were really formative for you? Sure, I'd say the. I mean, we had a lot of children's books in the house growing up. And so my family is American, but we grew up in in Europe. So I feel like we had sort of a mixture of classic American picture books and also some of the British ones and even some French ones because we lived in Brussels. Um, And some of the big ones that stand out to me are things like um, Where the Wild Things Are, Maurice Sendak, um, who has just this amazing kind of wildness and darkness to his to his books um and he was the first person that I remember sort of aged about probably not much more than four or five that I remember being aware of as being a person who wrote and illustrated children's books as a job and that was a thing that you could grow up to do and I just remember being very excited by that as an idea um some of the other uh sort of classic books that we had when I was little were um we loved um uh Posey Simmons Lulu and the Flying Babies which is another just very wonderful silly slightly offbeat story um and then we had a lot of the sort of Roald Dahl Quentin Blake collaborations which I think had a big influence yeah that's I'm just just sort of riffling through those in my in my head and the the visuals of that because I've got your um one of your books here, uh, which is the book I'd really like to talk to you about, Thesaurus Has a Secret, uh, about this absolutely lovely um, d- dinosaur. And I, I'm just looking at, the, at the, the style of your drawing and thinking, I mean, it's, it's softer, isn't it, than the Quentin Blake? It's not, uh, are you a pen, do, do you use pencils? What, what, t- tell us about the sort of, um, the actual practicalities of, of, of the drawings. Yeah, I work mostly mostly in pencil is sort of very much where my drawings um, start and where, where it's kind of all, all based in. And I'm sort of happiest with a, a colored pencil or a 2B pencil just sort of sketching away in a sketchbook. And then all of my final art and everything, it will all start with that pencil line. Um, and then I, I work in sort of traditional color as well. So sort of working with uh, gouache paints and acrylics and colored pencil but I'll work all of that sort of on a separate layer. So sort of um, using a light box to trace over the line on a separate piece of paper. Um, And then afterwards I sort of scan in the original pencil line and the, um, the color layers and I assemble it all in Photoshop so that it ends up being a kind of a digital collage, but very much based originally around 
the freshness of that pencil line. Wow, that's so interesting. I realised I had absolutely no idea how that would work. I'm obviously quite familiar with how you send, you know, a Word document to a publisher's, but yeah. do you do all that? Are you preparing effectively the page layout then as well, or, or the illustrations that then the designer, the book designer sort of makes into, into book pages? Um, more, I would say the... I guess the the page that the book designer will turn into book pages, but I'll work sort of within a layout, which is the size of the the finished book so that the idea is that by the time I'm working on the final artwork, the, the layout and the format has all been agreed. Um, and I'm not, and because I'm working in the, in Photoshop rather than sort of just sending pieces of paper over to the designer. But, um, but then I think they do a lot of, uh, I don't know, wizardry at their end to make it all into the final book as well. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really fascinating. Do you ever sell any of the drawings? I think you're, the, the original drawings must be absolutely glorious. Um, I, I haven't done, but maybe it's something I should look into. It's sort of funny because, um, I have, I have, I ends up with, um, with folders full of lots of pieces of paper, some of which have, um, just all of the lines, some have layers of, um, of color, but because it's assembled on Photoshop, it means that what's sort of a shame is that I don't have sort of one piece of paper, which is the original artwork, um, in the end, because it's sort of in four or five different places yeah I can imagine that but that that would probably make the drawings I mean I don't want to um uh, I don't know why I've taken it on me to be your commercial agent and to um <laughs> vul vulgarize this this beautiful uh work um but since I've started maybe I'll just I'll just carry on I was just thinking about those um you know black and white sketches you can get of Mickey Mouse which don't correspond to any yeah. of the cartoon Mickey Mouses but are such um, a fascinating insight into how how that gets uh, put put together. I just I just thought the illustr I mean the the illustrations. I do get that the illustrations and the words are absolutely not least because you're uh, responsible for them both are absolutely interconnected. But I thought that the the drawings are so are so absolutely lovely, and uh, I think a, a cuddly cuddly toy thesaurus is just <laughs> is just waiting to happen. Let's let's move from my terrible commercial ambitions. Um, oh no, it's definitely something that I should probably be sort of <laughs> exploiting more. And there are lots of those pieces of paper that are at the moment just kind of hidden away in a folder. So I should be looking into what to do with those more. <laughs> so tell us about how you came to um, this particular this particular story because I, I, I suppose I'm asking because I've seen a peep of what your next book is um, ab about uh, sisters yeah and that um, you know that that seems in some ways one could speculate about how you came to that uh, that that idea but that's not quite so available uh, to think about about this one so I wondered if this is this is this autobiographical a euthesaurus um I think what I tend to find is that there's more autobiographical elements that sneak into my stories that I'm then I'm aware of when I'm making them, which I think probably happened with this one. I think I probably am thesaurus in that I love reading, I'm quite shy, and I'm quite happy just sort of sitting away with my book um, and, and kind of ignoring the rest of the world. But I don't know if that sort of if that was my intention going going into it. But I think you probably end up putting a lot of more of yourself 
into into your stories and your characters then then ends up happening I've definitely done that in several books in a row now which is which is interesting um but the origins of this of this story it sort of developed actually over quite a long period of time it was the grains of an idea I'd had for years and years this one actually I had just always thought that the word thesaurus always sounded like it should be a dinosaur um just even you know when I was opening my synonym dictionary and I would just always think like that oh, thesaurus should probably be a dinosaur rather than a dictionary. I don't know how they came up with that. And actually, I'm still not really sure where the word came from, um, which is probably something I should have researched at this point. Um, so then the thesaurus character, kind of a bookish literary dinosaur, kind of evolved from that and then sort of became a story when I was uh, on my master's studying children's book illustration and um, and putting together my sort of MA final project, which was essentially making a, a, a picture book. Um, and so I sort of took this idea of literary dinosaur um, who loves to read. And then it sort of emerged into this story. Well, maybe reading isn't something that dinosaurs typically do or that you would think that the other dinosaurs typically do. Therefore, it's something that he hides from the other dinosaurs and then one day, not to um, spoil anything too much, but um, the, the other dinosaurs will discover his secret and then he'll find out what they really think. Um, and it turns out that everybody loves to listen to him read because reading is a wonderful thing. I, I love that. And, and I love the fact that Thesaurus is, a, is this um, lover of words and lover of reading enables you with quite a lot of confidence, I guess, in your young readers or the people who are being read to from this book um, to, to enjoy various synonyms. Um, what a beautiful sunset, so magnificent, resplendent, awe-inspiring. And I was thinking about how children can really love the sounds of words and actually really love unfamiliar words. We sometimes assume they're going to be put off by them, but actually... That's you know less less the case. Um, so although I think this is a book, what, what age of a child do, do you anticipate for this? About five or six? Yeah, probably about five or six. I think officially the age guidelines are about four to eight. But I think I agree. I think what's nice about this book in particular because it is quite wordy for a picture book, which is quite conscious because that's sort of what it's all about. But then. I think you can enjoy it, hopefully both as a child and an adult, sort of on different levels, because I think you can just appreciate that it's a nice story about dinosaurs. And then the more the older you get or the more you're sort of taking in from it, hopefully with the all of the wordplay and, and the more sophisticated vocabulary, which maybe is sort of a, a safe place or an interesting place to encounter slightly bigger words for the first time and then get excited about the possibilities of language I hope. Yeah and I could imagine some of the um, uh, I could imagine some of those phrases actually really being adopted in, by families you know keep going persevere you can do it that just seemed a really <laughs> nice uh, a nice thing and I, I love uh, one of the things you've you've got for um, uh, for the adults reading is a lovely lovely spread I'm just flicking to it which is um, Thesaurus's secret stash of books oh yes <laughs> and these are, these are an amazingly funny witty set of spines um, Jurassic Mansfield Park for instance 
Uh, one flew over the pterodactyl's nest. Uh, t- this is my favourite, I think, T-Rex of the Durbervilles. I mean, these, these are fabulous. Oh, yes, I like that um, one. <laughs> you've, you've also got some, um, some books which I guess, you know, going back to the question I asked you about your influences, uh, classic um, American kids' book, The Phantom Toll Booth. Yes, uh, one of my favourites. A, a little peep of uh, The Amber Spyglass, Philip Pullman. Um, that's a lovely, uh, lovely, lovely spread. Oh, thank you very much. That was definitely one of one of the most fun to do. And I had a lot of fun coming up with basically as many dinosaur literary puns as I could possibly think of. And so then I think that's exactly right. The book pile is sort of compiled of the best puns I could come up with. And then I'll also try to sneak in um, some of my favorite books, whether or not they were exactly connected to the theme. And then also managed to get a little bit of my French degree in there too, because I discovered there is an actual real dinosaur called Albertosaurus. So then I have Albertosaurus Camus, the stranger in there as a nod to, to my um, studying French at Hartford. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's such, that's so excellent. That's such a lovely, lovely spread. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's, it's a really wonderful book. I would really recommend it, especially for uh, parents and, uh, you know, godparents and aunts and uncles and grandparents who are looking for Christmas presents for young young people. It's a, it's a book that I think uh, anybody who has to read allowed would would also enjoy uh, as well as the as well as the recipients of that so tell us a bit about what's coming next and you've got another book is that already in more or less in press the sisters book yes so so my next picture book is called what are sisters for and that's with the same publisher which is um an imprint of harper collins in the u.s called Catherine tegan books And um, so this next one is actually coming out at the end of this month in America and then in the UK at the end of October. And it's basically a story about sisters, but also sibling relationships in general. And it's also sort of exploring the idea of curiosity and having lots of questions and what to do when you don't really have all the answers. So and it started with me sort of ex- wanting to explore those ideas of, of curiosity and asking questions. And then it um, this sibling dynamic sort of emerged more out of that. Um, and it's about uh, a little sister. Um, they're um, a little, a little koala. I should also mention they're all koala characters. Um, called B, who asks lots of questions, and her older sister Ada, who always has all the answers. Um, but B keeps asking more and more questions, which gets harder and harder, and her sister sort of struggling to keep up, which kind of reaches this breaking point and leads them off on this adventure um, to try to find some answers. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it was, I, I had a lot of fun working on this one actually. And whereas thesaurus was sort of several years in development in different stages, this one sort of came together quite quickly actually. And I was actually working on the artwork for this one, um, in March, 2020, which was an interesting time um, to be working on the book, but actually it was a, a really, um wonderful solid thing to be focusing on during that time um so yeah I'm very proud of this one and I hope that people um that people like it too (laughs) that's 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 fabulous there's two things I really want to ask you about one is about whether you feel there are differences um in the the US and the UK children's book market so maybe I'll just plant that but the other thing I was thinking just as you were as you were talking is uh, are you drawing on uh, 
children who are around you and you know p- part of your life or do you think you're drawing on your own uh sounds a bit kind of hooky but are you, are you are you drawing on your own kind of inner child is that is that where this comes from yeah I think probably a lot of it is more drawing on my inner child in that I actually I'm not that surrounded by small children on a regular basis although I do now have a, a young nephew so I'll be watching his um his reading carefully um but uh but I think yeah I think it, a lot of it is sort of being in tune to your sort of remembering your own sort of reading and feelings as a child and just sort of not losing track of that um and I think that sort of the best the best children's books as any books are books that anyone can appreciate and that um that you can still be sort of excited by and remember those feelings of when you're an adult so that's um I think that's sort of where I'm coming at it from and with this one again I am the youngest sibling so I think I probably put a lot of that in there again more than I might have anticipated when I was actually writing it in the first place and what about that transatlantic experience are you how does that that play out do you feel the American audience is a different one um it's hard to say I think there are some differences in in terms of what uh what does get published um in the states versus here sometimes although I'm maybe not as attuned to it as as I could be partially because um uh I I haven't sort of had as much opportunity to kind of spend over there in the last couple of years and really immerse myself in sort of the American picture books as I would like to. But one of the things that I thought was interesting is that, um, so Thesaurus, for example, um, was a book that I had worked on on originally on my MA. Um, and so I did get feedback from it from on it from UK publishers um, originally because I had sort of presented it as our final graduation show. And one thing that kind of came up sometimes was that um, British publishers, I think, are often quite conscientious of um, of international sales and having books that can work um, in co-editions so that you can produce, for example, a, a German edition or a Korean edition, et cetera, which sometimes means that there is less opportunity when you're starting out to maybe explore things like a book that's entirely all about wordplay um, and lots of different puns and rhymes and a lot of these things that I've got in Thesaurus, which because the American market just has such a big home market in the first place, I think that was something they were a bit more receptive to. Um, so I think it can, in some ways, lead to more opportunities for for playing around with language um, in that way, sort of when when you're starting out and kind of getting established, which is something that um, that I think I have definitely tried to do. That's fascinating, though, and it, it's really interesting to think about a picture book, as you say, which your picture book, which is consciously verbal and has more words, perhaps, than a standard in that genre, and and the the difficulties that poses for um, for international editions. I was wondering then whether you you said um, earlier on that your I'm perhaps paraphrasing, but that you're quite an introvert person, maybe a bit like Thesaurus. Um, do you find? Do you think? Are you going to find? Do you think that as a as an author for children, you're going to be 
called upon or involved in more, as it were, hands-on, probably not hands-on, I'm sure that's probably illegal, but you know what I mean, (laughs) face-to-face encounters with your with your readers. I'm conscious that, you know, that seems to be quite a big part of literary festivals and so on now, that as well as events for adult readers, there are increasingly uh, junior events and, and children's authors often seem quite active in that sphere. Yeah, definitely. I think they're in in sort of more uh, I hate to use the word ordinary times. There there's a lot of that in sort of with book events and school visits and things like that. And it is something that, as an introvert, is quite daunting um, as as a prospect. But I think it's something that um, I haven't really done much of yet. But it's something that I I definitely hope will sort of become a part of my sort of author illustrator practice um and more so as as I have another um UK a book with a UK publisher coming out next year as well and I think it's one of those things that as an introvert I find things can be quite sort of scary from the outset but it won't necessarily stop me from trying it in the first place and I suspect that after you do a first one then that sort of helps you get over the nerves and then you find that it's actually just quite lovely, fun thing to do. So I think I'll just need to just get started and do it despite being quite scared of the idea of it. And then I think um, hopefully it will also be another sort of really inspiring part of the job, both to see the children who are your audience actually interacting with the books and then also the inspiration that you can get from them and seeing how they respond to the stories and think about all of these things and then just make all of these connections and ask all of these questions that you would never think of. So I think it's one of those things that I'm quite nervous about, but also really looking forward to at the same time when things like festivals and events are starting up again. Yeah, it's been such a it's been such a sort of um, time of stasis, hasn't it? And and, uh, and and I think lots of us have not, I mean, everybody's had sort of challenges to meet during this period, but in some ways we haven't tested ourselves in in some of these ways that that you're describing and it would be yeah great to have that that opportunity so you've got a pipeline of these um, amazing books I mean I'm I'm so uh, pleased to have encountered your work and I'm it's certainly going to be one of my go-to gifts I think uh, I think now and I'm going to look after look out with great interest for the for the next for the next ones what's your do you have um are, are you taking it as it comes do you have a an ambition that you're willing to share with us do you have a sense how how you would like your career um to shape up are, are you are, are you working at something else um along alongside or are you able to do to devote a lot of your time to this um, so at the moment, I'm devoting the majority of my time to this. I do also, um, at the moment, I have um, I, I work for a small independent publishing company a couple of days a week um, at the same time. Um, and I think at the moment, in terms of my long-term plans, I'd love to just keep on being able to, to make picture books and hopefully other stories for children as well and illust- other sort of illustrated children's projects and work in all kinds of ways that those things can can intersect um I've got a, another book coming out with um Oxford University Press children's books actually next year um which is called Otters versus Badgers so that will be the next one after that and then just kind of hope that I can keep on thinking up 
new fun ideas and be able to keep making them because it's it's such a privilege to be able to do work which is something that's also your passion I was the kind of person who was also always just kind of coming up with story ideas and scribbling in notebooks so I just want to be able to keep on doing that as my work is just such a wonderful thing yeah that's that's an that's amazing that's amazing to hear I love the idea of otters versus badgers that sounds like a sort of um like the marvel comic that we have been uh, really really <laughs> waiting for I hope so <laughs> <laughs> we we are partly the prompt for doing these podcasts um has been thinking about Hartford's library. We're just on the brink of a big new project to develop study space and uh, develop the facilities. And uh, us all being away from college has made us more conscious, I think, of, of how important it is that we've got uh, space on site where people can can do their work and mm. and, and and you know be be together and be be part of the college. Do you uh, were you a, were you a library a library dweller was that the was that the location of your um, of your essay crises or were, were you more inclined to work somewhere else when you were when you were here? I was a sometime library dweller. I will admit that I sort of hopped around between a few different ones. I definitely did do some good work sessions in Hartford Library, especially if you could get a seat in sort of the upstairs area with the the nice table sort of overlooking OB quad. Um, I think that was sort of my my area of choice. Um, and But it was usually not the site of my essay crises so much because those would take place more um, late at night, the night before the deadline. So I did a fair amount of sort of essay writing back in my room as well. Um, but but for the, the earlier sort of gentle um, research note-taking elements of of my uh of my work then I did definitely appreciate Hartford Library as a lovely place to be based I would sort of hop around between there and the the Taylorian the languages library and the and the bod which was sort of a nice a nice trio of libraries to be yeah it's a wonderful part about Hartford's position isn't it that we are really in in that great sort of library quarter exactly Um, yeah yeah, f- fantastic. Um, Anya, it's it's been really lovely, really, really lovely to talk to you. Um, I am strongly and highly recommending Thesaurus um, Has a Secret from HarperCollins uh, ch- Children's um, and uh, alerting people to look out for, for books uh, forthcoming from you. Uh, thanks so much for being willing to talk with us um, about your work. Uh, and about your uh, time at Hartford. It's been uh, it's been really uh, inspiring and, and lovely. Thank you so much for having me. And it's an honour to be part of the Hartford literary community. <laughs> We're proud to have you, Anya. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks so much. I'd also like to thank Hannah Baronzo, who is producing um, this podcast, and you for listening. And next time we'll be uh, staying with with secrets, but perhaps less benign ones, uh, when I'm going to be talking with uh, crime writer Claire McGowan. So do join us again then. Thank you. (laughs) 